0: Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner.
1: Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who wanna know what works with social media. Today's show is sponsored by Social Media Marketing World 2018, the conference you know you don't want to miss. I am super excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Zach Spuckler, and we're going to talk about Facebook advertising and in particular, a creative way to attract prospects and ultimately customers to your business. By the way, if you want to reach me, you can email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. Let's now transition over to this week's brand new discovery.
0: Helping you stay alive in a social jungle,
1: here's this week's survival tip. This week I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric?
0: I found a really cool time saving mobile app for iOS and for Android for social monitoring. It's called Bind.
1: Bind. What does it
0: do? Yes. So, this is kind of a really cool way to open one app and then check Twitter, check Facebook, check Instagram, check YouTube, all in one app by and, just be just switching tabs.
1: Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. so like describe what it looks like when you use it. So,
0: it looks it, honestly I'll I'll be I'll give them a flattery and say that it looks like a very Google tool like the Google UI where it's white with clean uh, letters and spacing and all that kind of stuff. And essentially, you download the app, you sign in with those services that you want to check, and then it lets you even decide who from those feeds that of friends and followers that you're connected to on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, that you want to pull in on this. So you can almost create this app as like a vip engagement app if you will
1: is it it, it's not bringing all of them together into one feed it's just different tabs almost like if you open different websites in a browser is that correct
0: yeah and literally i mean at the top it's almost like it's a browser where at the top of the um you know at the top of the app there's a twitter icon there's a youtube icon a facebook icon and you just swipe over or you tap it and it switches over to that that social networks feed.
1: So why would you use this over just having the apps, you know, open on your phone? What's the benefit?
0: Uh, For me, I think the benefit is, again, you can choose to, without unfollowing people, you can, in this app, only see content from certain people or pages if you want to. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So kind of a VIP status. It's like a filter. Yes, exactly.
1: And if you want to just use it for Facebook, you could just use it for Facebook, but you could also add the other major social networks is what I hear you saying.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: And as far as you know, which social networks does it interface with?
0: It does Facebook and uh, I know, well, here's the caveat. So it's a free app and you get Facebook and Twitter for free. But if you want to add Instagram or YouTube, uh, I think it does a couple others, like even Medium posts or Pinterest, stuff like that. You add like... 99 cents to unlock those.
1: I see. Very interesting. So where do we find this thing? You can find it at
0: bindapp.com, and that's spelled this way, B-Y-N-D app.com.
1: Got it. So it's actually called B-Y-N-D. Awesome. Eric, thanks for bringing us that brand new find. You're welcome. It's just been a few weeks since we opened the doors to Social Media Marketing World two thousand. 18, and you're probably wondering who it's designed for. It is built for the experienced social media marketer. If your job is to do social media marketing for a company and you've been doing it for years, but you've been struggling to keep up with all the changes going on, for example, with Facebook advertising and everything else that's going on, then this event is for you and you will be surrounded by lots of people that are just like you. As a matter of fact, most of the people that are attending the event work for a business that has less than 100 employees, but there also are plenty of people that work for big businesses. For example, we had uh, marketers from Apple and Cisco and IBM and Macy's and McDonald's and Mayo Clinic and Toyota and Sprint and Reuters and UPS and Walmart. But to be honest, they're not the majority of the crowd. The majority of the crowd really is the small, smaller business. The second audience that this conference is for is the blogger. The live show host, the vlogger, or the podcaster. If you regularly create content with the intention of helping establish yourself or your business as a thought leader, and you want to build a sustainable business or establish better credibility in the industry, then this also is the conference for you. As a matter of fact, we have an entire sub conference in the conference just for creators. So, those are the two primary audiences that it's for. And if you find yourself in those audiences and you're interested in checking it out, here's where you go. Simply visit socialmediaworld18.com. Again, socialmediaworld18.com. Now for today's interview with Zach Spuckler. To help
0: simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest.
1: This week, I'm excited to be joined by Zach Spuckler. If you don't know who Zach is, he's a Facebook ads expert and he's host of the Heart, Soul and Hustle podcast, a show about generating more leads, more sales, and more conversions. His online course is called Rock Your FB Ads. Zach, welcome to the show. Thanks
2: so much for having me.
1: So today, Zach and I are going to explore creative ways to use Facebook ads to grow your business, your email list, and to generate more sales. So Zach, um you and I were talking before we hit record about your story and where you started and all that fun stuff. So why don't you share how you got to where you are right now?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I always like to start my story back when I was about 13 years old. It actually starts when I was 12. And and that's when I made my, my first dollar online. I remember I was 12 because back when I started, that was the days of like, fill out surveys online and get paid to click on ads online. And I had to use my dad's social security number and actually have him get paid and then transfer the money over to me while I did the work. And over the last 10 years, I've really dabbled in most forms of online marketing. I've tried affiliate marketing, I've done direct sales, I've done website flipping, I've done consulting, I've done Facebook ads. And. Over the past 10 years, I've tried so many different things that about two and a half years ago, looked back on everything that I'd done over the past seven to eight years and I said, what is like really lighting me up? And at the time, I was running a relatively successful food blog. We'd scaled it up. We'd gotten subscribers. um, We had a really healthy list going. I had sold digital courses to my food blog audience. Um, It's not something I talk about a lot, but I, I dabbled in a lot of the stuff I teach now before I was ever teaching it. And about two and a half real, years ago, real I kind quick, of hit, what,
1: what kind of food blog were you, were you doing back then?
2: Yeah, I was running a vegan food blog cool. and it was called the no fuss vegan, which was recipes that everyone will love. No fuss, all healthy. And I was absolutely loving it. But at the time I was working, um, I was working a job. I was in a master's program and I always explain it. If you've ever had a hobby that somebody offered to pay you for, And suddenly it becomes like the least enjoyable thing in the world. That's what happened with my food blog. But what was so heartbreaking about it was the food blog was doing really successful. We still have pins from that blog. If we have any Pinterest people, we were getting like, you know, five, 10, 20,000 pins on some of our content. We were getting picked up by some big publications, but I didn't love it. And so I had this real... Kind of come to Jesus moment, for lack of a better word, where I said I'm going to take three months off because I'm tired, I'm burnt out, I'm exhausted. Anyone that's run a food blog, a single recipe can be you know 12 hours of development and shooting and styling. And I, I took three months off and I just allowed myself to explore what was really making me happy about the last kind of eight years, right? Because i I'd, I'd been like I said, I'd tried everything from affiliate marketing to website flipping to food blogging, and so. There, I knew intrinsically there was something driving me to keep going, and when I stepped back and said, "What was it?" It was the marketing. That's what always lit me up was testing out the ads and testing out the marketing message and and building the list. And so, what I did was about two and a half years ago, I started Heart Soul and Hustle, and I started with this really strong foundational principle that I always love to share, which is I wanted to teach people what I'd learned, but never from the guise of Teaching what I knew would work in theory, it was always going to be, I can show you what I've done so far. And my first digital course came out about three to four months into Heart, Soul & Hustle. I was doing one-on-one Facebook ad management. I started using Periscope for live streaming, and people started approaching me asking, how was I using live streaming to generate sales? And I still remember this to, to this day. I did a quick little Periscope. I was at Starbucks, and I said, hey... I can't really teach you how to make a million dollars. I'm I'm not a six-figure coach. I'm I'm nothing crazy. But I have gotten my income up to about $1,000 a week on Periscope. Is that something you guys would want to learn about? And I literally, on a live stream, set up a PayPal button in real time, and we did about $1,200 in sales. And that, for me, was like a very pivotal moment in Heart, Soul & Hustle where that's when everything started to come together. And I was like, okay, I can own being the expert without kind of – faking it. You know, I think the the nicest way to say it is, you know, maybe I'll get some some negative response from this, but I do think there are a lot of people who are like they show up and they're an expert all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And so this gave me the space to say I can own my expertise at the level I'm at right now, be fully transparent about it, and people will resonate with that. And so that happened, that course launched, it brought some revenue in, and my passion has always been ads. I've run ads in my direct sales company, I ran them on my food blog, and I was like, let's go for it. Let's go all in on Facebook ads. Um, It was the intention to launch a Facebook ads course when I started the, the company, but it's really important to respond to your market. And everybody wanted live streaming, so we tabled the ads program. So fast forward to about a year in, we launched the Facebook ads program, and since then, I've just been having an absolute blast testing everything with Facebook ads. So we have tried out Messenger ads, and we've tried out retargeting ads, and Facebook Live ads, and, and anything that you can do with ads, I've at least gone in and tried it at least once just to see what it's like. And what was so cool, what really led to this was I had left my job, I'd left my master's program, and about 12 months ago, and I promise this is the last little stint of the story, about 12 months ago, it occurred to me I'd become a total workaholic, which I think is super common in our industry. And I was working, you know, 60 to 80 hours a week. I was starting to burn out at the end of every month. And if I was lucky, I could maybe squeeze in a massage and treat myself to a movie and and buy myself a week before I, like, hated my life again, basically. And it occurred to me at that point that I had this really powerful tool, Facebook Advertising, that essentially it doesn't do the work for you. I think that's such a misconception, but it does the heavy lifting for you. And so about a year ago, I really started leaning into ads. We started scaling up our ad spend. We brought on an ads manager. And now I love Facebook ads so much. And I I have this thing I like to say, which is whether I can show up for work today or not, whether it be you know, I'm sick or I need a mental health day or like, you know, there are days where I'm just not feeling it. My ads are going to work for me. And over the last year, that's really blossomed to a point where we're running funnels, we're doing launches, we have a great team around us. And so really the last 10 years has been this evolution of trying things out, seeing what I like and finally realizing like what really lights me up is leveraging dollars for time that doesn't require me to be there. And I think that that's what Facebook ads are. And that brings us to today where we've got you know hundreds of people in our courses, we do launches with thousands of people, um, we've got some incredible affiliates, we've been affiliates for some incredible people, and it has just opened so many doors by investing in advertising that I can't help but get excited about it.
1: Awesome, so Zach, Zach is twenty three years old, folks. Um, and you know he's got ten years under his belt already. He got started really young. And um, what we're going to talk about today is what Zach has learned. and And Zach, let's start with what are some of the mistakes that you see a lot of marketers uh, and business owners making when it comes to Facebook ads?
2: Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing is there's this term called market sophistication that that I think creates more panic than it does conversation in our industry right now which is the market evolves, and even three years ago, you could literally run a Facebook ad to a sales page and make money, um, maybe closer to like four or five years ago. But there really was a time where it was so novel that on a social media network, you could run ads directly to a checkout page that people were like, this is crazy, I'm, I'm gonna buy it, how did I get here? And over time, people have started to understand how ads work, and there's this saying, it's not, I don't know where it comes from, but I've heard it in like every circle I'm in, which is when marketers come, they ruin everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's particularly prudent with Facebook and Facebook ads. Well, five years ago, people didn't understand what an ad was. Um, People didn't realize that a sponsored post in your newsfeed was an advertisement. So people thought they were just engaging with you. Well, I think the biggest mistake is the market has become sophisticated. People understand what an ad is. People understand that a sponsored post has spent money. People understand or feel that you are invading their newsfeed. I can't tell you how many times a week I have to delete the get out of my newsfeed comment. Like people just understand they didn't necessarily give you permission to be there, even though they did when they agreed to Facebook Terms of Service. So, the biggest trend or where I think people are going wrong is they're not evolving with the market sophistication. And they're trying to- Now, hold on. When you say
1: people, now we've been talking about two different kinds of people here. We're talking about about the attendee. I mean, the the Facebook uh, consumers, right, is one group of people and the marketers is another group of people. So, so, so far you're saying that the people that are the everyday users on Facebook now know what a ad is and the other people, which is the marketer you were about to say, keep going-
2: yeah, so the marketers, they're still kind of relying on some of the old school stuff and hoping that that works and almost relying on, you know, I, I don't like to say trickery. And when I say that, I don't mean like automated webinars or funnels, like, you know, marketing tools are fine. I'm talking about there's people who are still like running the ads to an opt-in page and kind of pretending like, oh, I, I'm never going to sell you anything. I don't know anything about Facebook ads. I just want to give you this free workbook. And people are, are catching on to that. So what you have to now kind of do in the marketplace is say, number one, how do you differentiate yourself? I think the biggest thing is um, I can go to almost anyone in any industry and find a checklist, a workbook, and a free webinar. So how are you standing out? Number two, are you kind of acknowledging that market sophistication? We in our ads, we talk about stuff like we are going to sell. We, this is a funnel. I do have a paid program. You know, instead of hiding what you're doing, being really upfront with people, transparency is is kind of in its heyday right now. People want to know everything, even if you don't want them to know everything. Hmm. And then the last thing is getting really clear on the the barrier to entry has gotten so low with Facebook ads that we see something and we assume it works. And this is one of the most incredible phenomenons where I think people go wrong is, it 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 speaks to the other two, but they go in and they see like, oh, you know, digital marketer is running this ad. So I should run an ad like that. Well, what people don't see, and one of the things I love about even digital marketer as a brand is is they go in and do case studies. But there are companies, even myself, we'll spend a hundred, two hundred, five hundred, a thousand dollars on ads that don't convert, and then we'll see people out there copying our ads from our audience. And they didn't necessarily convert. So there's this sophistication on the marketing side and a sophistication on the consumer side that what it really comes down to is people aren't doing anything wrong with Facebook ads, right? All these strategies work. But the thing is, they need to get more sophisticated. And that doesn't mean better technology or, or, or getting, like I said, not getting tricky, but realizing Everyone's got a checklist. What makes you unique? Everybody can run a Facebook ad. What makes you unique? And are you being really honest with your audience? Because that is what people want right now. They would rather have you tell them on day one, you're gonna sell to them on day 10. Um, Even, you don't have to be explicit, but they wanna know what to expect. That's where people are getting. And I think that so many people are just kind of operating by the blind. Send them to an opt-in page, hope for the best, and slowly that model is fading away.
1: So this is a perfect transition to my next question. You mentioned that a lot of people are running ads because they see other people running ads and they just assume they work so what yeah. what should what metrics should we be looking at when we do run our Facebook ads so that we know they're actually working what What should we be analyzing? What should we be measuring if you will?
2: Yeah, so I think there's two kind of sets of metrics, and I always like to start with kind of the just the raw ad metrics. That's where most people kind of want to focus their attention anyway. This is stuff like conversion costs, click through rate, things like that that you can actually measure and look at at the ad without really doing any, you know, quote unquote analysis. So the first thing is, is your ad delivering? When you run an ad, is it actually reaching people on Facebook? We see people all the time who are like, my ad's not running or or Facebook isn't running it. First thing is you want to make sure it's getting pushed out there. If it's not, it's probably something like your audience is too small. Um, Unfortunately, whether we like it or not, Facebook updates so frequently that sometimes there are glitches, especially right now as of recording this, they're all into weekend updates at the moment, which is when us entrepreneurs like to hustle a little bit. So if you run an ad on the weekend and it doesn't pick up, you might have to go in and just reset the ad up. Um, And then when all else fails, you you can reach out to Facebook support. So you want to make sure it's delivering. The second thing is check our people clicking on it. You really want a one to 1.5% link click through rate, which means every time somebody sees your ad, every one out of a hundred people is actually making it to the landing page at least. Mm. And then finally, you want to check your landing page conversion rate and make sure you're converting between 30 and 40%. Those are kind of the metrics to make sure you have an ad that's operating. Then there's kind of this second set of metrics. Now now, real quick,
1: when you say converting at 30 to 40%, I guess that's, highly variable depending on if you're selling something or if you're trying to get an opt-in to some free offer. Is that correct?
2: Yes. So it's a 30 to 40% opt-in rate on a free offer. So kind of what we were talking about a little earlier, quite frankly, in my opinion, the the market is too sophisticated to be driving cold traffic directly to an offer. You can drive um, your existing audience to like a, a checkout page, but then those stats are totally different and they'll kind of be dependent on the second set of metrics, which is your your kind of internal metrics. And these are the ones that I like to look at when I'm looking at running a really profitable campaign. The first one is cost per lead. How much is it costing you to acquire a lead? This is called CPL. And this is what you see when you run an ad and it's like, I got, you know, $1 leads. That's every time you get a name and email, what does it cost? You want to know what that cost is. And You're not really going to know what it is until you start running your ads and spend a few hundred bucks because every industry is different. It's way more expensive for me to acquire leads in a B2B space than it is for one of my clients who's in a a B2C space. Um, The second thing is what we call earnings per lead. And this is something that I learned from one of my mentors that we love to use, which is what is the value of a lead that comes in? When I explain this one, it gets a little bit complicated, but I just want to break it down super quick so that it makes sense, which is if you are, let's say you have an offer, don't get too caught up on, you know, whether it's a service or a product, it doesn't really matter. Let's say you have an offer that's 500 bucks and it converts at 2%, meaning every 100 people that see your offer, two of them buy it, okay? So if you generate 100 leads to this offer, you would sell two, you would make 1,000 bucks, and you would have 100 leads that generated $1,000. Now, if you crunch the math on that, it means you earned $10 for every one lead. Now, this metric becomes like the holy grail of metrics when you're running promotions, because if you know your earnings per lead, all you have to do to make money is make sure your cost is lower. Mm. So, When we're running ads, something that is super important is, I I always tell people, it's okay to get emotional, it's okay to get upset, it's okay to get frustrated and have like those weird twisted stomach knots, but when we're making decisions about our ads, we're always operating off these two really key metrics. Are we spending more than we're earning? And just to kind of give you a little side story on this, We did an affiliate launch recently where we ran a ton of Facebook ads. We spent more money than uh, any of the affiliates in the promo. We placed top three, but I did almost like no work in this promo. I did very, very minimal work. Um, I was talking to friends who were in it. They were working every day. I took like three days off during this promo because if you know your cost and you know your earnings, all you have to do is spend more money and never exceed those. So I think that it's important to just kind of lay out this one final piece, which is, does it solve all your problems? Are these perfect metrics? Absolutely not. But what most people do is they get caught up in like, how much do I spend a lead and what do I do on this? And by looking at these internal of cost and earning metrics, you're shifting from what I call like the solopreneur mindset of I need to spend $10 and make as much as I can to the business mindset of I'm not looking at spending money. I'm looking at lead acquisition cost and customer acquisition value, which are like real hardcore numbers that you would see in an actual, um, you know, like a, a brick and mortar business or a fortune 500 company. These are metrics that matter in these companies adjusted to the online marketing space.
1: Awesome. So Zach, you have this thing called a lead building framework and it's a pretty cool model. So I'd love to, um, I'd love you to go through kind of what it is and and why you've developed this.
2: Yeah. So the lead building framework really came about because of what we were talking about earlier which is the market is really getting more sophisticated and whether I like it or not it running people directly to an opt-in page it doesn't work the same way it used to. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say we're not running ads directly to cold traffic to an opt-in. That's absolutely not the case. We want to be generating leads on a regular basis, but when we have a specific purpose for our leads like we're going into a launch, we're building out an email funnel, we know that we can actually lower our lead cost and get people excited about our products before they ever opt in. So just sticking to this kind of market sophistication, people no longer want to have their first interaction with you require, quote unquote, effort or investment on their part, which is a name and email. It's kind of this really interesting trend in the market, which was When it first started, like a name and email was everything. And then an email, a name and email was kind of like everyone's doing it. And now it's like really valuable again. So it oscillates. But the key thing is, in addition to generating just list, building that list, the lead building framework came about because so many people talk about list building and not lead generation. Mm. And so to tack on to what I was just saying about kind of running it like a business The lead building framework is how do I bring in a qualified lead to my business that is excited about my product, that is interested in me, and whether the cost is higher or lower, generally speaking, it'll be lower, but it's irrelevant because you've done the work to bring in a qualified lead, not just get a name and email. And so it came about because I think there's too much focus on how do I get as many names and emails as possible versus how do I bring in qualified leads? I know people with list a fraction of the size of mine making more money and I know people with list 10 times my size making less money so it's not about the list it's about the leads and that's kind of where it it came from
1: cool so let's dig into the let's dig into the aspects of it
2: yeah so what it really comes down to is about warming up an audience before they ever get asked to invest their name and email with you and the way that I like to do this is number one Facebook live is hot right now it just is you don't have to like it you don't have to agree with it But the facts remain. Facebook has stated that you get more reach with a live video and the engagement is just higher. I think it's like 10 times higher with video on the last um, update that they did through their press release. So we always start with a Facebook Live because in five to 10 minutes, you can get a quick tip out there. It requires very minimal commitment. It's in the highest digested uh, format, which right now is video. And it really does something important, which is I think Facebook Live tears down those walls. So at the beginning of this, this, we talked a little bit about how transparency is in right now. You can't be more transparent than Facebook live because you, you can't be perfect. It by default is not a manufactured platform or you, you can't pretty it up. So we always start with like a five to 10 minute Facebook live. What, what, just real quick,
1: what are you like doing in the Facebook live? Are you providing value? Are you pitching?
2: Yes. Okay. Yes. So we're providing one key point of value. There, it's not about giving as much as you can in five minutes. It's about taking one really key tip, something that might be like an industry secret or kind of an insider or something that really makes money for you and your clients or gets them results, you know, if you're B2B or B2C and just sharing that in about five to 10 minutes. Well, what you can then do is Facebook will allow you to turn that audience into a targetable audience. And what we then do is run people who have engaged with our Facebook live to a really long form blog post. And this is like a high value blog post. This isn't the 400 words, five tips to your next Facebook ad. This is like a five to 8,000 word post with a content upgrade where we're getting a name and email. It's edited by a copy editor. We go all in on this blog post, and it's a huge focus, so much so that we really don't do more than one per month. And then finally, on that blog post, there's a content upgrade that we can get their name and email, and we also create a standalone signup page for that. So to kind of step back and walk you through the process from a a consumer, I think that's the easiest way to understand it. They don't know who you are. They see a five to 10 minute Facebook live video of you. If it's content that engages them, they stick around and Facebook turns them into an audience. You then send them over to this blog post. And at this point, you've provided them with a Facebook live that's given them like a real valuable insight, which frankly is kind of harder to find in today's space because it is a little crowded. Then you send them to a long form blog post, which... Again, like go all in. We have blog posts that we could literally charge money for, but we don't because we want to lead with that value. And then once we get them over to that blog post, we're going to target them with our sign up ads to get them to get that content upgrade if they don't take us up on it on the blog post. And now when someone joins our list, they're not. May be interested. They know who I am. They've interacted with me in a live setting. They've digested my content. And by driving them through these two qualifying steps, yes, it takes a little longer, but the people opting in, they already like and trust me, which is why they put in their name and email. I've made it more optional, but I've also made it really sequential and relevant for them.
1: Okay, a couple questions, Uh, a bazillion questions. All right, the Facebook Live. So obviously, in the beginning, you're putting it out to your fan base on your page, and then after the Live is over with, you're converting it into an ad. Now, are you, during the Live, verbally saying, hey folks, there is a link um, that you wanna check out? Are Are you verbalizing that, hey, I've got a great article that I want you to check out? And it's yes. going to be right there uh, below or above the video. Is that kind of what you do?
2: Yes. And here's what's cool. So when we were talking earlier, like what are people doing? We talked about market sophistication and then we said, how do you be different? Okay. This is how you're different because most people who do a Facebook live, especially marketers right now, their link is not to a blog. It's to an opt-in or a product. So by simply letting them click to a link that doesn't require any additional work on their part, you instantly build trust above the marketplace it helps you stand out immediately so yes we call out the blog post we don't we don't say go opt in we say hey check out this blog post and by the way there's also a cool workbook checklist etc over there if you want to take it to the next level
1: got it now the people that are interacting with your facebook live by watching it and stuff are you Are you doing special ads to them if they did not click on the blog post to try to say, hey, did you you miss the blog post? If so, here's where to find it. Thanks for watching the video. Okay. That's
2: exactly what we're doing.
1: Okay, and then once they get to the blog post, you mentioned a content upgrade. So why don't you just explain to people that aren't familiar with what you mean by that uh, on the blog post?
2: Absolutely. So I think the easiest way is I'm all about the real world examples. So we have a blog post called How to Generate Your First Thousand... Uh, list or how to get their first thousand people on your list. And in that we say, hey, we've got a list building checklist for your first 90 days. Click here if you liked this post and it'll turn every action step we gave you into three simple checklists. So a content upgrade is by nature designed to number one, collect a name and email. But number two, it expands on what the content you sent them to was. So the blog post is the free version. And the checklist is like, Hey, if you really resonated with this and you want to kind of expedite your results or get next level steps, put in your name and email and we'll continue. It's basically like saying, Hey, I gave you the free sample. You really enjoyed it at Costco. Are you ready to at least buy one bag to see how things are?
1: (laughs) What I love about what you're doing is you're giving free and then you're giving more free and then you're asking right so yes. your first call to action is obviously i mean your first incentive is watch the video um, because it was live and you're going to find something of value and then during the video you're encouraging them to check out this blog post if they want to learn more if they didn't you're targeting them with facebook ads to get them to the blog post and somehow referencing that this is the thing that they missed in the live video and then when they actually go to the blog what are you doing with Facebook ads if they choose not to go for the content upgrade on the blog?
2: Yeah. So then we we retarget them just like we did if they watched the live and didn't go to the blog. We're going to drive ads to them to remind them to get this content upgrade. Now, me personally, I'm cheeky and that's part of my brand. Um, and I, uh, Jill and Josh Stanton of Screw the 9 to 5 do a fantastic job of this. Uh, i say something like hey i noticed you read that blog but you didn't get the the worksheet do you not like free stuff you know something really tongue in cheek that grabs their attention again back to what we were saying earlier disrupt it call it out say hey you didn't give me your name and email and i'm good at my job so you should right it's just so and do you do it you do text do you do text or you
1: do with a little video or do you do it with text
2: we do it with text because I'm just, if I'm totally honest, I'm not a big video person. I need to get better at it. Um, right. But all of this works text or video.
1: So, okay. Now, once they have, um, so so you're running ads, Does is it costly to run these ads to the people that watch the live video to get them to the blog post? Or is that actually pretty economical? And also, how costly is it to get people who read the blog post to do that content upgrade? Are these much more economical advertising vehicles than just trying to get them to run an ad to get the, the opt-in
2: offer? Sure. So the simple answer is yes, it's more economical. The complicated answer is it really depends, right? Because if you ever run ads before, you know, like you might not find great targets for your Facebook live to start. So it might be a little expensive to get the right audience there. And then it might take a little work kind of tooling the blog post ads to actually get people to click, right? The, the one Downside of this system in full transparency is that the more steps you have the more optimizing you have to do right right But once you get those steps optimized your lead cost should be a little bit lower But the key thing here is that whether your lead cost is lower or a little higher or stays the same You're not building a list anymore You're bringing in qualified leads because there is a dynamically different profile to someone who says yes, I want Zach's free Facebook Ads workbook From somebody who says, Wow, I saw Zach on Facebook Live and he was talking about Facebook ads and I loved his tip. So then I went and read his blog post, which is really awesome. And I liked the blog post so much that I signed up for the content upgrade. And then he followed up with a couple value emails. That person has a way different viewpoint about me, my business, and how much they trust me than someone who gave me their name and email after clicking on an ad. So whether it's it's economical in the sense that it should lower your cost because you're targeting highly qualified people. But at the end of the day, you should be, if you do it correctly, bringing in higher value leads. Your earning per lead should go up even if your cost goes up. And that's why I always say, I think a big mistake is people get really tripped up on like, what's a good lead cost, what's a good lead cost? And I say, any lead cost that's less than a lead earning is a good lead cost.
1: Well, first of all, um, I would love to get an example to put in our show notes so people can watch your video and look at your blog post. Sure. But the other side of it, Zach, that I think is kind of cool is there's the whole social sharing side of this too, right? People are going to share a video that provides value to them and they're yes. going to share a blog post that provides value. So it's not like it's not like it's just you know a step in the process because you also are going to have people organically going to that blog post and it's going to work independent of the Facebook live, isn't it? And,
2: Absolutely, and yeah,
1: it's still going to be providing you the opportunity for that content upgrade, isn't it?
2: Absolutely, and we see that. And you know, you can all, you can even um, hack that part of the system because if you run a Facebook Live, and even if you have an audience of like two, three hundred people, you can run any piece of this system to your existing audience to garner some likes, comments, shares, and engagement to really build up that organic aspect. We do that all the time with our ads, and exactly what you said. Every time you run this blog post as an ad, when someone comments or shares, it creates additional organic reach. So not only does this system generate leads, one other little side product of this is you're also building this audience of people that read your blog post. So if you have a funnel or you want to launch, it doesn't matter. You're also culminating a warm audience, which I truly believe is going to be one of the massive trends in 17, 18, 19, 20, uh, because People, like I said, they just don't respond to cold anymore. You now have to warm people up, and it's a byproduct of a system that should generate revenue.
1: Once you get the email address and
2: you've delivered the, what you're calling the content upgrade, what happens after that? Then we put them through a really simple sales sequence or a warm-up sequence. So a sales sequence would be like an email funnel, which is a really complicated way of saying for about two weeks we send five to six emails that add a little bit more value and then tell them a related product we have to sell. If we don't have a product related to the content upgrade or we're going for a launch, we put them into like a pre-launch sequence. So we did this with uh, an affiliate promo and we didn't necessarily have a product to sell until the affiliate card opened. So we did a Facebook Live, we drove them to a blog post, they got their content upgrade and then once a week for about four to six weeks, we just sent them a piece of high value content related to the product we wanted to sell in a launch, and then when the launch started, we put those people in it. So however you want to do it, both work incredibly effectively, but the key thing here is that you've done the hard work up front, whereas if you drive people right to an opt-in page, you have to warm them up in your email. This way, they're warm before they get on your email list, so if you add a little bit more value and then tell them what you have to sell, they're excited about the prospect of working with you. It's just a total shift in the way we think about marketing.
1: Well, Zach, I've got a big smile on my face because I love your strategy, man. And I love your (laughs) mind. And I love the way that you think. So why don't you tell people where they can find out more about Zach Buckler and all the cool stuff you got going on?
2: Definitely. So you can check me out over at heartsoulhustle.com. And uh, we'll get a little uh, freebie together for you guys all about this list building system, some insights. Uh, If you head over to heartsoulhustle.com forward slash SME for social media examiner, and whether you do all caps or lowercase, we'll make sure it works. Um, That's going to be the best place. Or if you're totally into the audios like I am, you can check out the Heart, Soul and Hustle podcast on iTunes.
1: Zach Spuckler, thank you so much for coming on today's show and sharing all your awesome wisdom and insight with us.
2: Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast.
1: Well, I hope you find a lot of value in today's interview. If we mentioned something during the interview and you didn't catch it, don't worry. We take all the notes for you. Simply visit social two five seven. Also, do not ever miss a future episode of this podcast. I've got an incredible lineup of guests coming. Simply hit the subscribe button on your podcast player. Last thing, check out Social Media Marketing World 2018, the conference that you know you don't want to miss. Visit socialmediaworld18.com to check out the speakers, the lineup, and to decide if it's right for you. Again, socialmediaworld18.com. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social
0: Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.